Hello, Irenacast listeners. This is our last reminder that our episode 200 is coming up. It's our very next episode. We are very excited about reaching 200. It's kind of a milestone. It's kind of a big deal. Um, uh, and we would love to hear from you, our listeners. Uh, you've heard me plead for the last several episodes to send in your questions, comments, concerns, anything to the show so that we can incorporate that into our 200th episode. And I need to confess that last week I lied to you. I said the submission deadline is Thursday, April 7th, 2022, but we're going to extend that deadline. So now it is Tuesday, April 12th. Tuesday, April 12th. Get your questions in. We really, really do want to hear from you. Thank you to everyone who's already sent them in. And you can send those questions in via email, via social media, via audio clip, which would be great. We'd love to hear your voice. And all the ways that you can get us that information is in the show notes, irenacast.com slash 199, because this is episode 199, one before 200. So without any further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are Irenicast, a group of folks leaning into our progressive Christian imagination. I'm Jeff. I'm Bonnie. I'm Casey. And this is Rajiv. On the first and third Tuesday of every month, we provoke conversations for shifting perspective on theology and culture. Thank you for joining us. This week, we are going to be talking about atheism and agnosticism. I, I practice that agnosticism, because that's hard to say sometimes. And uh, <laughs> for our segment, we are going to be doing in a, in a bit of irony compared to the conversation we're probably about to have, but we're going to be doing something called top three things we are against. Because in reality, we're wonderful people and we are not really against anyone, but a lot of things. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> um, I don't know what I'm talking about, but we're going to continue on. Uh, let's kind of get into this. I think this is an interesting conversation that we're about to have because we do spend a lot of time talking about theology and scripture and the social dynamics of the culture that we live in and politics and all that kind of stuff. And I think that when especially we're all coming from a place of deconstruction, it's easy to ignore and leave out the path of agnosticism and atheism in people's deconstruction or frame it in a way that it's just one path in your your movement back to Christianity. And uh, I think that, you know, I think sometimes we do a disservice by thinking that, you know, everyone's going to come back around to some sort of belief in God. Everyone's going to come back around to some sort of place in church because we recognize that that's not the case. And we don't think that that necessarily has to be the case for anyone or that anyone's, you know, eternal soul is on the line if they don't, you know, believe in a new theology or adopt something else. So I think this is going to be a good conversation for us to have to kind of leave that space for people. And we've had a similar conversation in the past. Um, man, what has been, I think it was just before the pandemic. We had a great interview with Brian McLaren and, uh, that was conducted by, by Bonnie and Rajiv and talking about this idea of secular Christianity. So I think that there's space when we talk about this. And I think that hopefully after this conversation, there'll be a little bit more freedom to feel like you don't have to you don't have to believe in God, <laughs> you know, that there's still room for you at the table with that. So Rajiv, I want to start with you actually, because I know that uh, you specifically kind of in your journey, you hit that place of, of atheism, of, of non-belief. 
like when you think of agnosticism and atheism, what is like your definition and how do you, you know, how do you differentiate between the two? To put it really simply, atheism is non-theistic. There's, there is no God. Agnostics are like, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Uh, yeah, you know, that's certainly overly simplified, but I think it distills down to that pretty much. You know, there's certainty in atheism. There isn't so much a certainty with agnosticism. I, and I, I just want to also back up to the episode that you referenced, Jeff, because it was actually Rajiv and I were able to hold space for a conversation between Reverend Dr. Penny Nixon and Brian McLaren in San Mateo. And yeah, part of that conversation included wondering whether or not there is such a thing as secular Christianity, which I think we'll probably get to somewhat in this conversation as well, because that's really interesting, because even the term, you know, we, we have atheism, agnosticism, and then secular. All three of those terms have their own definitions and their own way of approaching uh, God. You know, the definition, I think that's really helpful, Rajiv, this certainty versus uncertainty. An agnostic would probably say that knowing God is not possible. Knowing that a God exists is just not possible. And I love that we're bringing in that third way, which is the secular. I think that these uh, ways of knowing or not knowing are important for a conversation around the future of Christianity. And as Jeff was saying earlier, there is no, in my opinion, no one way to any of these things, and um, none of them are better or worse than the other. And for many of us, we come to these places because of our own experiences and trauma. (laughs) So uh, I loved the conversation that uh, you had with the Reverend Dr. Penny Nixon and Brian McLaren, Bonnie and Rajiv, and in recent years, like 2009, there were pastors who were put on trial for classifying themselves as secular or not theistic necessarily. And the question was, could they still be ministers if they no longer believed in God? You know, this isn't like a far-off conversation. This is uh, this is a real conversation about what it means to be a religious person, whatever religious looks like for you, a spiritual person. And I think there are many of our listeners who probably classify themselves in many of the categories we're talking about today. I think before we can kind of talk about if atheism can stand within the space of Christianity, you know, I also think maybe we can take some time and just talk about, you know, atheism and agnosticism on its own terms and how we maybe approach that in conversation. Because I know that for me, the framing of atheism was such a negative thing for so long that to get there, it it can feel like like an end or something that's like devoid of meaning. Or at the very least, it's it can easily get communicated like that, especially, obviously, since we're all coming from evangelical places. But I do also think that it can be communicated that way within, you know, progressive or left-leaning Christian spaces, that there's this, that there's always going to be this lack if you don't move out of that and what that looks like and and leaving space or an open door for that to be, I don't know, an okay thing to not be in belief 
or not claim a spirituality and still have, you know, meaning? Because obviously it's possible. I, I And I think I think that there are many atheists, some who are well known, who would say that they're very spiritual people. So I don't think that atheism is an absence of spirituality. It's it's an absence of God, a way of sort of landing in a place where one's relationship to God is that there is no God, there is there's no belief in the existence of a God. But Sam Harris, who's pretty well known, I think he's written lots of books. He has a great book. I can't remember. It's like Waking... I need to double check the title of it, but where he, he really advocates for and teaches an atheist spirituality. And anybody who's exploring atheism as a possible, I guess spirituality is as good a word as any, or belief system, metaphysics, whatever you want to call it, that's a really good book. And I'll find out. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes when I figure out what it is. You know, and as, as it is with any like identifier, like atheism. There's lots of gradients under that banner. What's interesting to me is I know some atheists who are like what I would call legit atheists. They're not atheists in response to anything. They're not like, well, I'm an atheist because how can you believe in that BS? To me, that's less authentic and less examined than someone who's like, yeah, I just, I don't believe in God. What you think about it really has no bearing on my not believing in some some God force. And what's fascinating to me, though, is there are some celebrity atheists, Christopher Hitchens comes to mind, whose entire framework for being atheist is, is to basically be anti-fundamentalist, literalistic interpretation of how Christians interpret God from the scriptures. And we're all familiar with that. So he's like anti that God, you know, the the fundamentalist God. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I hear you, Christopher Hitchens, and I'm I'm with you on that. But it's like, is that all your atheism is? Sort of this adolescent rant? Or is it a deeper, truer place of being? You know, there's a spectrum there. So the the real atheists that I know that I'm in a relationship or some some people that I trust a lot. Like these are really good moral people who are thoughtful and I'm grateful for their influence in my life. So and they are respectful and perplexed by my theistic spirituality. Because you know, neither of us resemble the fundamentalist stuff at all. So in some ways, because of the ubiquity in our day and age of that fundamentalist nonsense, we actually find some things in common. Yeah, I think if we all were sort of in the place of Christ Christopher Hitchens, we probably all would be atheists, at least in this circle of people, right? I mean, I don't believe that shit either. And I think the other thing, you know, as I'm as I'm pondering what you all are saying is a lot of times coming from where we come from, the the idea that to be atheist is to be immoral. There, there's something tragic that has happened to you. Godless you know? heathens. Right, that's right. 
Um, but many of the atheists I know are actually like you said, Rajiv. Uh, we don't even, we shouldn't even have to classify that they're super moral people. <laughs> you know, like we shouldn't even have to go there. But because of where we come from, we have to mm-hmm. sort of say they're atheists and they're moral. Like mm-hmm. I think I know more immoral Christians than I do atheists. Uh, you know, um, and and the other piece of that is that you know that they be they are sad or they are angry or they whatever. But I think that many of my atheist friends found so much more peace and joy when they realized that there wasn't some uh, God outside of them who was forcing them to do things or who had these higher expectations of them. There are assumptions about what it means to be an atheist person and narratives about who they are and what their values are, and they are just not true. Yeah. I I think what we're ultimately, you know, kind of reading between the lines against is just fundamentalism, right? Because that that form of atheism is just fundamentalism. It's that's the posture of it. It's that it's a posture of being against something, you know, like Richard Dawkins, God delusion, all that kind of stuff is just the other side of the coin from like. John MacArthur, you know, it's the same thing is that their whole belief is based off of being the opposite of someone on the other side. And because your whole identity is built into being right, then, you know, morality is come secondary because everything else is a slipping slope or slippery slope around that. And I think that we, we get so caught up on belief and doctrine and theology and all that so much not to say that it's not important but when it becomes the most important thing and we just forget like hey i just want to hang out with decent people (laughs) that aren't jerks that you know can can see me for who i am in the midst of my beliefs or ideas or what I put on my pizza, um, you know, that's when you know you're kind of onto something. Well, I was thinking, what is the name of that? What is the name of that guy uh, in the early 2000s who was very famous for uh, writing the book, like about how he he was an evangelical who and was doing a lot of youth ministry stuff, uh, talking about how he proved that there was a God. Do you remember this guy? Gosh, I wish I could remember his name. I was at a... Josh McDowell? Is that who you're talking about? The evidence that demands a verdict or whatever, that guy? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, you know, seeing him at Spirit West Coast (laughs) when I was in high school. It was my senior year. And he really, if anybody pushed me towards atheism, it was this guy. Like, and And I, at that point, was still an evangelical. But my whole thing was like, why are we, why is this the thing? Like, why is it that we spend so much time questioning each other's belief? Almost like a like a dick-showing contest, you know? Like, how big is your belief? You know, is it huge? How big is it? You know? Like, that's my best Donald Trump for you. That's what all I got. But, <laughs> Good. I was going to ask for more, but, you know, go ahead. <laughs> but really, like, why? Like, what does it matter? You know, like, mm-hmm. why are these the things? Is it, are we are so concerned about our own spirituality, it's easier to look over the fence at somebody else's than tend to your own garden? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know what they say, right? About when you're so defensive. <laughs> yeah. About a particular stance on something. Right. Ask any um, super homophobic person. <laughs> right. That, um, that there's, there's, a, there's something behind that. And I, and I think that the defensiveness around belief and dogma is really telling. It's really telling about people and, 
and how how thin and fragile those belief systems actually are. It's hard because when one sinks one's own identity into a belief system, which is probably in some respects pretty natural for humans to to have a framework of belief or a framework of understanding of how the world works and then identify with that and then find one's place in the world based on that and and then move around you know you get up in the morning and that's that that framework is sort of just with you and moves around with you when one begins to question that which it's pretty hard i think in 2022 with the scientific knowledge that we have, with the understanding of the globalization, the ways that, that now we can communicate with people with completely different worldviews, it's pretty hard to continue to hold on to those 1800s, early 1900s fundamentalist beliefs that that churches are still trying to uphold. Right. It's like crusade. It's still yeah. that like crusader mentality. You must profess these creeds. One of my one of my favorite colleagues, Doug Zyke, says, you know, uh, the reason why I struggle with creeds is because everything I actually believe about Jesus lives in a comma between born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate. Everything. Everything that is most important. I mean, it's like a continuation of these creeds that we see in 2022. And and honestly, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute, but really, like, when we talk about secularism and secular Christianity, there's no closer place to secular Christianity than the evangelical church, because they have forsaken deep belief and now bow the at the altar of Baal, basically, right? Wasn't that the, the one that was all about profit? You know, like, uh, I don't know. What whatever that God was. But I mean, literally, it's all about show. It's all about consumerism. It is It is less about faith, much less about spirit. And just because you roll on the floor and talk in tongues and prophesy about whatever, you know, weird dream you had last night, that doesn't say anything about your spirituality. It might say more about your mental illness. Well, and on that spectrum that Rajiv was talking about earlier, you know, atheism, why someone's an atheist. I think that we can't also discount our theology or our belief to God to trauma. And we have so many people that are coming from places where their belief in God is linked to some very significant trauma. And they're not being petty or reactionary like someone like Richard Dawkins. They're just trying to (laughs) heal themselves. And, you know, sometimes if you've use rhetoric that's so toxic around a deity, then it's perfectly healthy, normal, and good to move away from any sort of belief of a deity because it's so tied to those things that have that have wrecked your heart and your body. And, you know, leaving space for that is is so important because again, we all know too well how religious trauma affects people in in real and harmful ways. Trauma bonding with God. <laughs> yeah, and that's a really good point, Jeff. And, you know, when you, 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 you hear this stuff about God and you're like, this just doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. And, and when you've been directly affected by it, harmed by it. Yeah, when, when people share those experiences and a lot of folks try to hang on at their own expense. Yeah. And it's so painful 
to witness, to have been through it to a degree. And it's like, oh, no, you just got to let go. <laughs> it's it's so not good for you. And and I know I've been guilty of this, but saying, you know, well, that's not really God. Well, it is to them. It is to someone's experience that the, right. the, the abuse that they suffered and that they that they had to endure it. That is God like to 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 throw that away and be so dismissive in just saying, well, that's not the real God. Let me show you the real God. And I think that we again, I've, I've done that myself in ways. And I think that, you know, being sensitive and open and leaving space for letting that that journey find itself, I guess. Jeff, I'm just going to jump off of what you said and say, you know, sometimes I think we do that not only with terms like God, but also with love. That's Mm, not love. Right. And, uh, you know, when God and love have been so deeply entrenched in people's psyche, it has to be unpack because there's there has been so much abuse associated with both of those terms and trauma and then worship you know what is what is worship what does it mean to adore a controlling deity it's so healthy to really wonder and question about question all of those things and to 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 seriously doubt and wrestle with all of those ideas and in the process find one's own voice in reaction or response or in anger or whatever, you know, whatever needs to rise up in order to <laughs> thoroughly co- question, deconstruct, whatever word it is that you want to use. Yeah. So I, I get, I wanted to add that because love and then the word power, you know, is another one. We do like to tell people what those terms mean or should mean or whatever. And that's what I think is so beautiful about the idea of spirituality is that spirituality is almost the, I mean, if we're going to talk about things that we're against, it's almost the anti-dogma because it's, it's very fluid. It's very nebulous. Um, you know, just, just thinking about what's going on now with gender and how, we're deconstructing these ideas of this binary system, gender binary system, and what's replacing it or what's rising up is this much more fluid understanding of, of how we embody multiple energies, you know, and, and how, I mean, there's like all kinds of terms, spectrum and all inclusive. And Casey, you can probably speak more to this than I can, but I think that that kind of spirituality is also a really beautiful uprising that's occurring right now. And I think atheism and agnosticism helped to make that possible. So I'm grateful to the atheists and agnostics and the the gender non-binary folks and to all the people that are just helping us to imagine new ways. They're all teachers. That's sort of the thing, right? It's like, what do you have to be afraid of when you are confronted with these things? If you are someone of some sort of theistic belief, um, what are you afraid of when confronted with these ideas? What what is it that that you have to be afraid of if you are someone who believes, especially in the Christian t- tradition, that God is in all things and that God makes all things? Then where is God in in the midst of of all of this? That is the joy of this next, of the young people that are coming behind us who are destroying binaries. I mean, literally just blowing them up. 
When I started doing the work uh, uh, serving LGBT young people ten years ago in Placer County, I you know we were very clear about pronouns. Everyone had to say their pronouns, and now that's old. Young people these days, what's your pronouns? Pfft, what are pronouns? I don't use any pronouns, um, which is which is stunning to me. Like pronouns, that's a, that's ridiculous. Who who needs to classify themselves? I mean, for some of our trans folks, that's still super important. But the young people I'm working with and freshmen and high school sophomores, they just don't even care. They don't even care because none of this matters. And I think that you know if we can continue to push that even in our own traditions of like, what does a f- fluid spiritual faith look like? And does it require us to worship some daddy god or whatever? You know, I use that as sort of like being silly, but I don't think that we live in a time and an age where those are the kinds of questions that young people care about or that we should even be interested in. Our journey should be measured by the way in which we live rather than the way in which we think we should live. There are so many people who the reason why they need the binary is because they feel out of control in their lives. That is the tragedy for, you know, I think of a lot of the evangelicals I know who, you know, replaced meth addiction for, for Jesus. And so they use their faith as sort of like their next addiction. It is the thing that keeps them in line. It's the thing, it's the box in which they can live into. And and there is some deep fear around stepping outside of that box, because if they step out, what does that mean for them? I understand some of that. Like, I sympathize with it being that in some ways, you know, it is their safety from returning to stranger and harder times. But the invitation, I guess, for me to any person who might be listening who is a part of that journey or you know, because I can just imagine this is going to be sent to all of our best evangelical friends, would be to say, although you need that, there are some who do not. And just because you need to live into the binary does not mean that the world is binary or that God is, or that God is binary, honey. So it's important. Well, I think part of that fluidity too is also being able to have seasons where you do hold on to a binary because you need to kind of get your balance in something before you kind of move on to something else or, or flow into a new way of life or thought. And I think, you know, we can see that in a lot of different areas of our life. And that's why I think belief when linked with dogma is so dangerous because then it's like the dogma are these walls to like, ah, I I trapped you in this binary. Now you got to stay here and you can't move on to something else. We've done an episode about this before, but pluralism, you know, I, part of how I describe myself in this aspect is I'm an ardent pluralist. What that allows or, or demands of me is to treat somebody who does find some comfort and sustenance in the binary to recognize that as an option amongst many options of where to find comfort and sustenance. And it allows me to be rooted and in relationship with people that are rooted differently. Maybe that's that's really the point. Because one of the things that does concern me about some of this is to be like a nothing. I don't care. Because apathy is very dangerous. It's, it's dangerous to individuals and it's dangerous to the entire world. You know, so I hope people don't land there and stay there for very long. I really like that. Apathy is the most dangerous. Yeah. And people have to find identity and belong. And that's usually because we've come to some sort of social 
contract that we kind of all agree upon. I think we're just in this great upheaval period right now. You know, there may be a time a hundred years from now where even the term binary is like one of those old English words that we hardly ever use because we've come into this new way of relating to one another that we will all agree upon and feel, again, a sense of identity and belonging and connection. Or what we'll do is we'll find that there are many ways, but we'll come to some sort of consensus on how we're going to relate to the many ways and how we're going to find our roots in relationship to the many other ways besides our our own way or our people's way or whatever. But it feels now like we're we are in this this upheaval moment in this moment of chaos and it's always hard to sit there and so we all you know this is when patriarchy and you know all the isms rise up fiercely because they know that th- their death drum is beating and they just can't stand the idea that that they may be in the past forever. So we have to be vigilant and opposite of apathy, apathetic in our our desire to stay in the chaos until it clears, until we see a way forward together. I mean, we're talking about atheism and agnosticism, and there's there's probably no, you know, like a path where you're comfortable with uncertainty. Agnosticism is is has been a tried and true path where you live in the unknowing for, you know, since the late 1800s. I think that's where the term was first coined. So that that could be a philosophy really worth spending some time studying and thinking about that could provide us some wisdom for this time. At the end of the day, most of us are agnostics because all we're really doing is babbling anyway we really don't know what the hell we're talking about <laughs> we see we see dimly and i think you know going along with all that is we we all you know live at a certain a certain amount of intersectionality between all the identities that we hold in our life and when we communicate kind of closing this and and bringing it back to the beginning but when we communicate christianity and theology in a way that doesn't leave room for someone who's at a place of, you know, atheist and Christian, you know, how do, how do those things balance and do they fit? And I think that we create religious spaces where in evangelicalism and in mainline or progressive Christianity, we don't create a lot of space or hold space for that lack of belief. And I think we're probably all in agreement here that there, there should be more space within Christianity to, to live in I don't believe. And so I guess then what does that kind of, what does that look like when we talk about that, you know, kind of going a little bit back to what we talked about secular Christianity, but I don't even think necessarily we can equate fully secularism and atheism. I think that there, there can be, I think secularism leaves room for a belief in higher power, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What do you think? That's a real messy way, but yeah. Um, I think it is absolutely possible to be a Christian and an atheist or a Christian and a secular person. I know lots of them. I've been one of them. Hey, depending on the day, <laughs> you call me up in the morning, I might be one. And then in the afternoon, I'm like, okay, God, you're you're there. The reason I say that is I've learned a lot from friends who identify as secular 
Jews. You know, these are folks that are rooted in a tradition. They they have a strong identity. They love and engage in the rituals because it's it it binds them to community. But it none of it hinges necessarily it, for many many um, progressive Jewish communities, Reformed Jewish communities. It doesn't hinge on you believing in the God of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. It's it's about community, and I I think there there has to be room for that within the Christian tradition as well, where people want to be part of a community that's about something bigger than them as an individual and do some good in the world, try to bring about healing. And and it, it can be very effectively argued that Jesus was the first humanist teacher that has kind of stayed with us. You know, that argument, it has legs. It, it really does. So the fact that we haven't been more receptive, like actively receptive to secular Christianity, I think is more of a, a a sign of our falling away from the tradition than it is a fuller embrace of the tradition. Yeah. Here, here. I, I think, too, that, you know, we're um – I can speak for myself that part of the actual deconstruction process from fundamentalism, which, you know, I believed because I, I inherited those beliefs. So I was indoctrinated with those beliefs from the time I was, you know, before I was born, I wouldn't have thought differently until I came of age and started to wonder for myself, you know, we still are maybe using the same system of understanding what belief is that we were using when we were inside a fundamentalist tradition. And so some of the ways that, you know, in which we do things, I think has to be deconstructed also. Some of the methods, like creeds, for example, are creeds meant to be believed in that traditional fundamentalist sense? Or are they meant to sort of lay out the whole arc of a mythology? that offers something to the world in this cosmic sense in the same way that like, you know, any mythology would offer something to the world in a cosmic sense and that we repeat that together again and again. So it becomes deeper and deeper ingrained in our bones, not believed like in, in a, in a, like Mary was a virgin. Like I believe that in a scientific historical way, I think there's a lot for us actually, to like process and unpack. And then it will be a lifetime journey of healing and processing and unpacking and thinking about how we relate to these great traditions, two of which are atheism and agnosticism. Right. And I, I think, you know, also, you know, with all of that, I know for me, going back to a conversation that we had early on in the show's run with, with Jennifer Knapp, it's something that stuck with me the whole time is her describing her Christianity as this is my language for the divine, for okay. the unknown. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, that's the language I, I inherited and feel, feeling like if I get to a place where exploring other paths might be fine, but I think that there's also a bit of an appropriation that happens a lot of times because maybe Christianity has been you know, given to me and defined 
narrowly doesn't mean that I can't rework that language because it's it's my heritage. Like I'm a Western white male and I have a lot of flexibility with that. I don't need to run over to someone else's spiritual schoolyard and start, you know, taking their stuff, uh, changing my name or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that there's there's room in that. And I think that also, to a certain extent, atheism is a Western construct. Mm-hmm. It's very much very much is actually. So I, I feel like there's also room in there to to play in that without having it. And maybe Rajiv, look at your face like, I don't know about that. I think I'm like, where, where are you getting that from somewhere? Well, I, 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 it comes from the, you know, in our definition of atheism, it certainly comes from the the European. Right. Like the 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 movement of philosophy from like Aristotle, mm-hmm. like the whole like European whites, that kind of atheism. So mm-hmm. I guess I want to be <laughs> clear about that. But I think to a certain, you know, that there's not, you know, within athe- atheism and evangelical Christianity seem to be the two places where pluralism is not allowed, right? Like <laughs> you're stuck. It's either this or that. And um, I think that that's a, that's a Western mentality to compartmentalize so much. But all that to say, I think that, you know, being mindful of of where we are, where we came from, and you know where we're going when we talk about these things. I think it 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 helps form not only our spiritual path, but helps helps us form understanding for other spiritual people's spiritual path. And know that um, the more space we create, the more we're enriching ours and their lives. Rajiv, you seem like you wanted to share something. Yeah, I'm just a little I mean yeah yeah I get the the word itself comes you know has european roots. I'm just not sure the practice is confined or originates in any one place. It's probably like, you know, how did even this notion of god originate? It it, it like popped up all over the place. So I I'm I'm just thinking it it probably there are non-theistic people throughout history in every society. Who just are like mm, I don't think so. True. Yes. Yeah. I mean that. That. Thank you. That's a, that's an important clarification because I certainly don't want to. But hopefully, by like more defining, I guess the yeah, yeah, the the word itself. Yeah. And and sort of our Western connection, the Greco-Roman connection, is important to recognize. Yeah. Yeah. And classification, man. Everybody does that too. That's just not a white thing. It's just not a European thing. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> We've just taken it to a deadly level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on a on a global scale. That's true. Most other people just fight with neighbors in deadly ways. Yeah. We want to take over the world with our yeah, yeah. colonialism. Anyway, that's a whole nother episode. Uh and after this conversation, I really want to do an episode on worship because that came up a couple times and I think that would be really interesting. Uh, on on what? On worship, because we haven't discussed oh, really worship. that. Mm. concept oh, anyway God help us i guess mm-hmm. that's for another mm-hmm. episode so yeah totally that would <laughs> and be fun. obedience oh yeah that's a good one yeah. all right well look at that yeah. this isn't a planning session everyone this isn't episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drop those little little tidbits and hopefully people will continue listening all right then uh, with that uh conversation and a wrap any other final thoughts before we kind of close it out and uh yeah like you know i guess i i would just say you know, wherever you are on the spectrum is good with us. You know, if you don't have spaces that affirm your journey and where you are at the moment, 
know that there's at least four people that are cheering you on and think you're awesome. And and it's I would say it's not really even a spectrum like that's just a single line. There's it's a starburst like there's so many spaces where one can find a place in 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 the world in relationship to others in relationship to something bigger than oneself. I I want to meet you there. Like I think that's where the that's where this beauty is is when each of us finds our space our way and then we get to find the space between us that's even deeper and richer than either individual alone. Destroy the binaries <laughs> and consider your trauma bonding with God. <laughs> well, there you go. With that said, let us know what you think. You can add your voice to this particular conversation by commenting in the show notes at irenacast.com slash 199. That's irenacast.com slash 199. And in the show notes, you'll find relevant links and a complete list of all the other ways you can add your voice to this conversation. And if you haven't already, please consider joining our email list. Joining our, joining our email list is the best way to keep updated on all things Irenacast, including uh, hopefully soon our next Intersections uh, cohort that we'll be having. We don't have a date yet, but if you subscribe to our email, you'll know when the date comes and you can find that subscription link in the, in the uh, show notes also at irenicast.com slash one nine nine. On the other side of the music, we are going to disregard the posture that we've taken in this conversation. And we are going to be against many things. And we're going to share our top three things that we are against. So yay, that'll be fun. Right. We are on the other side of the music, and this is a regular segment that we've done. We've done top three various things, but we just thought it would be fun and a little ironic to do top three things that we are against. Obviously, these are, well, <laughs> I don't want to speak for everyone, but most of these will be tongue in cheek. Uh, but there may be some uh, nerves that are struck in this particular point in the show. But this is why we do the segments to kind of blow off some steam and uh, be ridiculous, which we need especially right now. All I right. I just want to say, I just want to say this, these segments now have become a trust issue for me because <laughs> like I enter them with kind of the whole fun spirited, be goofy. It's not based in any sort of reality. And then some of y'all, I won't name names, start bringing in some serious shit. And I'm like, what? What's wrong with you? I thought we we're just having fun blowing <laughs> off steam. So again, some trust issues right now. Ultimately, Rajiv, it's a place where we can be ourselves, and sometimes we feel serious, and sometimes we feel silly. And look, Bonnie and I—I I would just like to speak for Bonnie and I and say that we told y'all <laughs> we are not fun. I know. Like this is like this is, and this that's is not, not even true. Our, that's not even not, true. This is not how our brains work. So it's not true. I'm I'm agreeing with Rajiv. You know, it's yeah. it's a if it's a question like what are you against, I'm going to answer that as seriously as I possibly can. Exactly. Oh <laughs> At least throw one fun one in there for. Oh, they're sake. all fun. Trust me, oh, but geez. they're also right. serious. Rajiv, maybe we're just better people and we're not really against anything, so we can hold these things lighter. Oh no, I'm against on. I'm against stuff. There's <laughs> no right, well, then never mind. It. I will shut my. <laughs> 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 all right, Bonnie. I want to start with you because you seem serious and. Uh... <laughs> yeah, this is like my number one. There's no. Th this is one thing that I don't think has wavered much in my whole life. My number one thing that I'm against is war. Yes. 
<laughs> Rizzy just oh rolled his God. eyes. Just oh uh, yeah, yeah, man. My <laughs> that's is that, that we're supposed to be starting with our number three thing. Like oh, all sorry. of this has just started off sideways. See? It, it's like no wonder I have this anxiety. I hate to see what number one is going to be, Bonnie. <laughs> against no, war. that is my number one. So here I'm even like I'm I'm reversing the order. I'm it's messing this up entirely. You're flipping the oh script. Yeah, you lose. All right. Well, spoiler. This is Bonnie's number one, and for the rest of us, <laughs> it'll be our number three. But yeah, but my two and three are probably more interesting. Okay. So start with three next time. And well, I guess we'll just go backwards for for Bonnie. Bonnie gets to. No, I'm not going backwards. Yeah, you, everyone no, else no. can start with three. Bonnie will that's be the fine. only one that's going to go backwards. I'll be the only so one. Okay. Bonnie's. I'll on be the... against the grain. It's like yeah. a tenant situation. This is what we're we both going you. in different directions. Time How fitting. <laughs> oh, God. All right, war. <laughs> for regime. Yes. No argument there, Bonnie. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and yet it happens constantly all the time true so it's like how are we supposed to have fun now <laughs> <laughs> i'm fine with it you know <laughs> what's your number three rajiv okay i'm a pluralist so it's okay if other people do but it's broccoli on pizza I, agree. I was wondering if this was going to come up. I agree. I right obviously it, It's got to come up. Uh, look, I'm going to go. Look, I'm going to go with my number three, which was pineapple on pizza. Oh, but see, I'm I'm in that. You're case. going see, pizza nope. here. Honestly, going- if you put pineapple on pizza white, this is no. I'm against it. I don't want it. Okay. Well, um, I look compared to war. Yeah, I, I, you first know, I want to say, <laughs> I, you know what? I am always on Bonnie's side. I was totally down for her anti-war um, movement right now, <laughs> and 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 now she's siding with Rajiv, and they're both shaking their head at me. And she just is like, "Move oh, on." No, I, I, I can't. Like I can't see you. <laughs> like so the eye surgery is still recovering. So I don't broccoli and pineapple on pizza. I'm okay with either of those. Actually. In fact, I have had both at the same time on a pizza, and it was delightful. So, I don't know what you two are talking about. I think now I have trust issues. <laughs> God. All right. Well, I'll go. Something just as superficial. You know, it's not war or anything, but landscape video. When someone takes a video with their phone, and they do it in landscape, unless you're doing TikTok or whatever, don't do that. Just take the extra second to make sure that the little icon flipped so that I can see everything and I'm not just looking at someone sideways or the wrong way. You and Jose both. I hate it so he much. so mad. I get so it's mad. like, why did you do that? Because every year I do this like little montage for my kids of all the video we've taken from our cell phones. And I swear every year my wife probably hates me at this point, but I'm like, that was a great shot. But it was in landscape. And now... <laughs> had to do all this extra work to flip it and yeah that's my number three most hated thing that i'm against is landscape video so all right bonnie what's your number two cancer no are, are we okay so yeah I'm let's go number opposite. two this is where we intersect this is where we're all on all the right. same page and then we'll split no, up again. not cancer but it is cancerous and this is going to be hippo or i don't know what this is going to be heretical my number two thing that I'm against is monotheism. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very serious about that. I'm, I'm this, with you on this that. This idea that, that, you know, God is one is I think highly problematic and part of why 
we are where we are when it comes to, you know, binaries, especially spiritual binaries. Yes. So yeah, I'm not <laughs> clergy anymore. So, <laughs> or at least I'm not working professionally as clergy right now. So it's okay. All right. I think so it'd be okay. Who wants way. to follow up monotheism with their number two? <laughs> I thought Rajiv was next. I thought was next. I'm not going next. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go next. I'll I'll break it up. Um, my number two is MSG hate. The hmm. the seasoning you go into mm-hmm. a Chinese food restaurant. If you look at the history of this MSG hate, it is rooted in literally in racism in a lot yeah. of ways. It is a wonderful thing to add to your food. It makes things delicious. And there's no evidence that it's, you know, all the things that have been attached to it. So my number two, MSG hate, use it. In fact, I make, I found this recipe for these wonderful MSG pickles that, oh, they're so good. They're perfect with a chicken sandwich. I love it. So my number two, don't be anti-MSG. Embrace it. I have a jar in my home. I use it on so many things and it's wonderful. My... What I hate is people knocking at my door before 10 in the morning (laughs) or calling me. What about just people knocking on your door? Who does that? Do you ever Ever. get that moment where you're like, who's there? (laughs) (laughs) That's why I have a ring doorbell. Look, I literally have a ring doorbell so that I can see if I'm going to answer or not. I shouldn't say that out loud, should I? I don't know. That that explains a lot. It's like, I'll stop dropping by now. (laughs) Yeah, right, Rajiv. Yeah, right. (laughs) um my my uh number two is bad drivers Mm. that's a good one rajiv my honorable mention was specifically connected to that and specifically turn signals specifically Mm. people that do not use turn signals Mm -hmm. i really think that that should be problematic a great punishment and i think that especially Police officers that don't use their turn signals should serve jail time for that because it is egregious. <laughs> Not to say that everything else they do isn't horrible. Again, that feels very superficial and bad thing to say in light of war and monotheism and <laughs> likely cancer for number three. But turn signals. I'm with you, Rajiv. Bad drivers, man. I have some serious road rage. All right. Uh, Bonnie, you're number three. Since you're my on. number three is um, <laughs> standardized tests. Mm. I I'm, hate I them. I think yeah, that they're, it, they're so problematic and like talk about putting people in boxes and defining, you know, entire swaths of people with this number. Um, and mm-hmm. especially when they're, you know, they're used to decide how young children are doing. And how they're what tracks they should be on, and how they're going to grow up or not grow up or whatever. I don't know. I think they're awful. I agree with that. I actually uh, that's one of the reasons why I went to a private school because I knew that with test anxiety, I would never pass an SAT mm. because I just I have too much anxiety, test anxiety. And now they just announced they're getting rid of ACTs and yeah, SATs. I saw that. For yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing that at the third grade level. They're keeping all the standardized tests. So it's like, how is it that, you know, college, I don't know. Anyways, I just, there's, there are better ways, so much better, I think, proven, data proven better ways to 
to decide if children are learning. I just had a conversation with my kids this week because they were like, the state testing's coming up. I don't know how we're going to do. And I said, it doesn't matter, girls. Don't worry about it. Just fill in all C's if you want to. Doesn't matter. Like, it's not going to affect your grade. And they're like, really? I said, yeah, it's not. You're not getting just don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I'll do my number one. Number one. My, um, I, I do not like Governor DeSantis. Um, I am super, super. This is my one serious one, Rajiv. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get one. I'm with you. And honestly, he is at the risk of murdering many children quite frankly and i am just so bothered that his state legislature would pass this bill that he would sign it and i really hope that for all those of you in florida that you do whatever you can to remove him from office like that he is voted out asap because he is toxic to your state and he is toxic to our country and this is another reason why i think the state of california should be its own country because I am embarrassed to even share anything with that person. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Some radical speech there, man. But yeah, it's yeah. so sad what's happening in Florida. There and Texas, honestly, like there yeah, are there, in 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 2021, there were 118 bills passed, anti LGBT bills, uh, or something like that. Or no, I'm sorry, there were 228 bills passed in 2021, and already in this year, in 2022, there are 118 bills throughout the country uh, that they are passing anti-LGBT legislation. And that was in March, everyone. <laughs> so, w- one quarter into the year, we are already uh, catching up to last year's 200-and-something bills. Like, we must do something, and we must vote out these people who continue to put our lives and our children's lives at risk. It has to stop. Okay, there's my... Look, I get, my number one was serious. So sorry. Just, I, just before I say my number one, I want everyone to know that I completely agree with this and that my number one is superficial and stupid <laughs> and i don't want maybe rajiv you should go and we can contrast the <laughs> yeah because my, mine's actually uh this one's a little more serious well, even even before <laughs> can i say something to what casey's <laughs> yes i i just want to say that you know when when those things are happening in texas and florida shout out to the people who mm. are working so hard That's to right. break down these systems of oppression because yes. The fact that there's this backlash, like oppress, 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 means that there are people on the ground working so hard to um, undo those systems of oppression. So you're right. We have to vote those people out because we have to be better than the systems of oppression. And we can in a democracy. And also, you know, there's a new dawn dawning. There's a new dawn. There's a new dawn dawning. There's a new day coming. And that that's like, let's keep that momentum going. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah. We can make it. We can make it so. That's right. So. Yep. Boycott Florida. That's right. Until these changes happen and fund the resistance in Florida. Um, So, I mean, this, this is like actually ties in surprisingly well um but my my top thing that i'm against is is sincere and it's willful ignorance (laughs) 
<laughs> it drives me crazy. It's a bad one. I just, Rajiv, I just got to point out your hypocrisy. And um, <laughs> hey, Jeff I waited till number one. Uh-oh, Jeff Hang, is hanging me so out to dry. With I, your, I waited till number one. Your stance of making this light and not serious, and just. <laughs> Yeah, but if if we were all lighthearted, we could have taken willful ignorance into a more fun, loony uh, direction. Oh, so pass the blame. Cartoonish. (laughs) When Jeff said, I want to call out your hypocrisy, I thought he meant your hypocrisy as in, I have experienced you as willfully ignorant (laughs) from time to time. Do tell, Bonnie. Do tell. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I feel like Bonnie's You started us with war, and now you're starting the trash talk. This is like, oh, yeah, but you're not on any drugs. (laughs) You are clear minded. You edit me out on this one. (laughs) New segment marriage counseling. Let's go. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, my my number one is. uh, uh, my number one is kale. It's gross. I don't like it. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh, I like kale. What? Yeah. It's, there's, ugh, it's gross. I tried so many, I've have, I like, I literally have tried. I've tried it in like roasted. I've tried it in a salad with a bunch of salad dressing. There's just something about it. It just. I'm with you on raw plain kale. It's yeah, a I don't tough. like raw plain kale either, but. But I do like it in stuff. Mm-hmm. I like the texture. I can't. I like the contrast. I have, look, I will make you a dish that you will that you will love. With <laughs> I kale. guarantee you. Like I, he's not going. To. I don't want to be close minded, but he's I I have tried you. it in every single way. I feel possible. like there's some willful ignorance here, but <laughs> I get nutritional the same nutritional value from that's true. spinach. So I just Something go that else. route, yep, and I like totally. it. I just can't do kale. It's like it's gross to me. So bad. There, there's one time I had a kale burger. Now you, you know, just... it's like this. No, it was good. It was really good. I was shocked. I had a lot of MSG on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what made it good, I'm sure. And I think I got it with bacon, so. Well. <laughs> we can all, well, I don't want to say that, but <laughs> hopefully we can all agree at least bacon is still. Oh, yeah. Delicious. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Um, so the the three activists and the one superficial kale hater are going to close this <laughs> this conversation out we hope that you've enjoyed everything that we've talked about this week we love all of our listeners we love one another and uh yeah that'll do it for us this week uh if you enjoy our renacast and you would like to join the work that we're doing please consider donating to our paypal link at our renacast.com slash paypal uh we're committed to keeping the show for free for listeners but there are costs involved and your financial support helps that's our renacast.com slash PayPal. And a special thank you to all of our current donors. We really appreciate it. Irenacast is also a nonprofit organization, so your donations are tax deductible. You can also support the show just by simply making sure you follow the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if it allows it, leave a rating and or review or send us a note or an email. We just love hearing from people. Um, So, yeah. So for this week, I'm Jeff. I'm Bonnie. I'm Casey. And this is Rajiv. Thanks for joining the conversation. Thank you.